What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. to another episode of the podcast to be named later. I'm Chris Willis, and I'm again joined with my co-host, Stephen Talbert. Hey, Stephen, how are you doing tonight? What's up, Chris? It's good to be on with you, buddy. Yeah, it's, um, you know, new year. We're kind of in the home stretch of the offseason. Uh, I think less than a month till pitchers and catchers report, so you can s- kind of start feeling the next season. But, um, yeah, we got a few things to talk about tonight, so it's good to be on with you, buddy. Yeah, and, I mean, we're – we're in those dog days now where the off season's really kind of wound down, but at least there are some things going on when, uh, the, the big, big topic tonight for tonight's show, we're going to talk about the arbitration guys that are still eligible. Uh, the exchange date is Friday, January 13th. It's coming up. Braves still have five guys. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And then, um, week, week and a half, I think it's the 24th, uh, the hall of fame voting results, uh, will be announced. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of things, uh, going on. Uh, in January before we, you know, we kind of get into that lead up to uh, pitchers and catchers reporting to Northport and, uh, you know, the exhibition season getting underway. We did it before we get to the arbitration stuff. There it was a couple of uh, newsy items that I thought we need to probably lead things off with. But uh, Luke Jackson agreed to a two-year, $11.5 million deal with the San Francisco Giants. It also includes a club option for a third season. I'll be honest. You know, I'd been waiting on the announcement that Jackson was coming back to Atlanta. You know, I thought any time we might get that, you know, if it was a minor league deal or something like that, I had no idea that he'd be able to command that type of contract. So I was surprised. I'm happy for him. You know, it, by all accounts, he's a, he's a great guy and everything. But coming off of Tommy John surgery, man, that it, that one really surprised me. But and I think I saw, I think you and I tweeted about the same thing, pretty close together there. But you know, I I didn't see this one coming. Tommy John surgery is such an interesting thing because you know it used to be. I I mean I remember not that long ago, like Tommy John was like an eighteen month surgery, and you know if you if you got it in March of one year, then you were basically out for two years. Um, and that's when Luke got his, but I mean, I was looking it up right after Luke signed that contract, like a Tommy John surgery is now like a, a nine to 12 month recovery. I mean, they've really, I don't want to say mastered this thing, but pretty much mastered this surgery to where it's, it's, it can be, you can recover from it a lot faster than you used to. And that was part of the surprise for me. was seeing this big contract was they gave him so much guaranteed money in in 2023, you know, a lot of times when guys have arm troubles or something, you get a really, really small deal, almost like league minimum. And then you get a bigger, you know, team option on the, on the second year. And um, so seeing Luke get 11, I think 11, three was the number was honestly, I was really happy for him. I I love Luke Jackson. I I think he's been, 
I think as good as he's been on the field and he's been fantastic on the field in his five years with the Braves, I think he was even better in the clubhouse. He was kind of universally known as just the funniest guy in the world, just the most fun to be around. And I think he was a huge part of that, you know, 2021 bullpen that ended up basically winning the Braves a World Series. And so, you know, I, I hope most Braves fans feel the same way but I was just I was nothing but ecstatic for Luke that he that he got that kind of money and he's gonna keep to you know continue to be able to pitch and you know we'll still see him a couple series every year and but man he was so much fun and I'm super happy for him that he got you know coming off I hated that he got that injury right after or leading into his free agent year because if he'd had a big year you know he could have gotten a pretty serious payday Um, so so seeing him get 11-3 guaranteed over two was 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 really cool, and I'm I'm happy that he's. I wish he was with the Braves, obviously, because he's he's been fantastic. But you know, at least he's got guaranteed money, and and you know he's still pitching in the majors. So good for Luke, man. That was that was cool to see. Yeah, and I mean he's going to a good place, a good part to pitch in, and then also you know when that slider's on, you know he's he's been lights out over the years. And but I was looking back uh, on his career with Atlanta, you know, and he came over. I don't remember exactly what year it was, but it was in the trade with the Rangers for, uh, it had Tyrell Jenkins was the principal guy going back to Texas. But, you know, the Braves DFA'd him three different times. And, uh, you know, somehow he still, he was still here. You know, he, he stuck <laughs> around and, and, you know, it was, a, like you said, it was a huge part of that, of that 2021 World Series. But, I mean, he, he went from basically being that last guy in the bullpen that was just on the, on the Gwinnett shuttle till he was out of options to being the closer at one point and pitching in a lot of high leverage situations. Great story. And like I said, you know, like you said, he was just a great, great Twitter follow. And just, you know, you could just feel the energy off of him anytime you're around him. So, you know, wish him nothing but the best. I wish he'd been here in Atlanta, but you know, when I saw that deal uh, come out, I kind of understand why he's not at this point, but uh, you know, good, good for Luke Jackson. Moving on, I mean, the second story, this, I had to look, I, I honestly, I, I woke up that morning and, and was scrolling Twitter and this is the first thing I saw and I had to double check, make sure I, what I was reading, uh, I was actually seeing what I was, thought I was seeing and, uh, uh, but former Braves GM John Coppolella was reinstated by Major League Baseball. Coppolella was, he was suspended in November of 2017 for his role in the, in the uh, international uh, scandal, if however you want to call it. I'll be honest with you. I, at times, I've kind of forgot about him. I mean, uh, by all accounts, you know, he was pretty much off the grid, working in Orlando ever since the suspension. He was the farthest thing from the Braves and, and baseball, and nobody really was talking about him. And then just all out of nowhere, you know, he's reinstated. So, I mean, did this did this surprise you? I mean, was this something that you thought could happen down the road? You know, it's funny. The, the only time I ever thought about copy was – Anytime Dansby Swanson came up, and obviously this offseason, Dansby Swanson's come up a ton. So I've thought about him more than once just because he was the guy that pulled off kind of the trade of the century when he got him. But yeah, I I had I wasn't thinking about ever him ever being reinstated. I mean, it was incredibly stupid that he got a lifetime ban for what he did. I mean, he was basically given uh, poor, you know, international prospects more money than he should have and, and, and doing it in obviously a, a secretive way, which was against the rules, which, you know, every team in baseball has done at one point or another, and is probably still doing, to be quite honest. I don't know why. I don't know what, I mean, I know when they interviewed him, he lied about it, and that 
you know, that increased the penalty that he got. But a lifetime ban for that, it just seemed like, a, you know, he was, they were truly, they were clearly trying to make an example out of somebody to scare everybody else into falling into line on these international rules. But it was a dumb penalty to begin with. It was way, way over the top. And, you know, I'm happy for him that he's back in baseball. I don't know if he's going to work in baseball. Somebody said that he was working at a, um, he was selling timeshares or, or managing mm-hmm. timeshares or something like that, which is just perfect for a copy because he always kind of had that, you know, wheeler and dealer type uh, mentality about him. But, um, yeah, good for him. I don't know if anybody will hire him. I mean, I, they probably will. He was, he was really highly regarded in baseball circles. But if you remember, it wasn't just that. You know, there was actually, I don't know if you remember the Rosenthal article that came out not bef- not long before he got suspended, but, you know, there was all these reports of, like, toxic work environment, and there were yeah. employees that were, you know, they they, they talked about how he was kind of a, a scummy dude and, and not great to work for, and honestly, that stuff probably is going to have a bigger impact on whether or not he gets hired than the international stuff, because, like I said, the international stuff is... You know, I don't think any team in baseball can look down their nose at that too much because they pretty much all do it. So, uh, but I don't know. I don't know if he'll get hired back. I don't really care to be honest with you. But um, good for him, I guess. If he wants to come back in baseball, he can do it. The the report actually was from Jason Stark in the Athletic. He he got the I think he was the one that uh, he broke the news and actually got the uh, statement from Major League Baseball and from and from Copy. I listened to his podcast just to see what else he would say about it, and it was. You know, you hit it on the head. I mean, basically, I think he got put on the permanent ineligible list basically because he he just wouldn't cooperate. And this was coming from uh, Stark in the podcast. It was, you know, he was he was sticking to his story even though everybody else in the Braves front office was telling telling the truth, and and Copy was still you know hanging on to his story. So I think you you know, and in a lot of levels, I think you're right. I think they did make an example out of him. I mean, since his suspension and the World Series win, I mean, I struggle with how much credit to assign to him. You know, none of the 12 prospects they lost have really panned out, and Kevin Maton was the biggest name of the bunch, and he's he's been a bust, uh, you know, from from that point. But the penalties, you know, though they pretty much took the Braves out of the international market uh, up until last year. Last year was the first year since the since the scandal that they had their full uh, bonus pool. You know, and I think that's a big part of why the minor league system's in the shape it is right now, you know, with lack yeah. of depth. You know, it certainly didn't help. I don't think it's all the whole reason, but, you know, it certainly didn't help. But I, I agree with you. I think the trans, you know, the, the scandal was bad enough. But I think the more notable story that gets left out a lot of times when, you know, people want a credit copy for the World Series. And, and he does deserve credit. I mean, like you said, you mentioned the Dansby Swanson move. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of others you know, the Austin Riley, um, uh, Max Freed, but you know, I, the disconnect in the front office, the turmoil and tension in the front office, I think is something that's not talked about enough. And that's one thing that, uh, you know, Alex, since Alex has been here, he's brought the organization, the cohesion from top to bottom, you know, it took him a couple of years to get there, but, uh, you know, I think, I think now, I think this, uh, this organization is like pretty much a well-oiled machine all the way from Terry McGirt all the way down to the minor leagues. You know, I don't know if they would have got there with copy because it just felt like, I don't know. I, you know, I read that Rosenthal article right after I found out that uh, copy was reinstated. And I mean, it's, I don't know. It's not a good, it wasn't a good situation at the time. And, uh, but you know, again, start Jason Stark said that, 
he wouldn't have uh, this wouldn't have happened if if Copy wasn't a different person now. So if hopefully that's the case, hopefully he's learned from his mistakes. And if he gets another shot in baseball, you know, great. You know, I don't think it, it won't be in Atlanta, but you know, it, the pass open for him to come back to to the game. And I know he loved the game. You know, that's one you could say a lot of things about him, but his passion was one of the things that came through anytime you heard him, it heard him speak. So happy for him that he's back. But, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's, we've kind of moved on now and, uh, I think everybody's in a better place. Yeah. And, you know, in a weird way, I mean, you can honestly make the argument that the Braves, you know, when you consider all the turmoil, the front office was under, you know, with him in charge, you can make the argument that he kind of did us a favor. Right, because I mean, they immediately got to bring in Anthopoulos, who's, I mean, in my opinion, the best. Or you know, if if you don't agree with that, then at the very least, one of the, you know, three or five best GMs, VPs of baseball operations in baseball. And so, the front office and the team were heading in a direction that I don't, I don't think they would have had the same success in their copy that they had under Anthopoulos. So you know, it, the the Braves paid a severe penalty not being able to you know, signed international free agents for that long was a really big deal. I remember saying that at the time that the the prospects they were losing weren't nearly as big a deal as, you know, the sanctions, because, you know, those, that's how you fill out kind of the bottom of your minor league system was, is all these international signings. So, uh, but I, I do think copy got scapegoated a little bit, or as Michael Scott would say, a scapegoated, um, because I think, I think John Hart knew more about that situation than, you know, he ever got blamed for and, and, and copy got a lifetime ban and, you know, John Hart got a cushy job at MLB network immediately after. So I, you know, I, I, I would, it never really sat well with me just how much of that got pinned on copy and how little of it got pinned on John Hart who was running baseball ops at the time. You know, copy was just the GM. Mm-hmm. Um, John Hart was the kind of the vice president of baseball ops, you know, the kind of the Anthopolis role and he was in charge of everything and he got off just scot-free and you know that never sat well with me and he's buddy buddies with Manford and I'm sure that had something to do with it but anyway you know that's all ancient history at this point but yeah we'll see if Cobb comes back in the base but it'd, it'd be hilarious if he does that would be I mean that would just be entertaining as hell but you know yeah it is what it is what does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape this is Scott Galloway host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, shifting gears to our main topic for tonight. Friday is the deadline or the actual date that uh, players and teams will swap arbitration figures. A little background on this. I mean, teams can still are still allowed to negotiate with players all the way up until the arbitration trial takes place. Famously, though, the Braves have been one of the few, uh, one of the file and trial teams. So after Friday, they typically let it go to the arbitrator and let him set their let it set the uh salary for next year so you know we could see some activity i'm kind of expecting thursday friday to you know to start hearing some of these guys may may sign to avoid arbitration but if it doesn't come friday then it would uh, it would be a surprise if we get that 
afterwards. You know, typically once this date passes, it's just, it, it is what it is at that point. But, uh, Braves have five guys uh, that are arbitration eligible. It's been, I can't remember an offseason where this list has changed as much as it has this year. We'll talk about that in a minute. But obviously the biggest name on this list is Max Freed. He's, uh, he, MLB Trade Rumors Annual uh, Projections has him at $12.2 million. That's nearly double what he had last year. I think it was at, at uh, he was made 6.8 in 2022. You know, free. I mean, what else can you say about the guy? I mean, he's, he stepped into that number one starter role after Mike Soroka was injured and hasn't looked back. He's coming off the best season ever. I mean, his best season of his career. Tossed a career high 185 innings, 170 strikeouts, 2.48 ERA, 2.70 FIP, 5.0 F4 last year. I mean, what can you say about Max Freed? I mean, he's worth every penny. I think it'll be interesting to see if he if they come to a deal with him you know, between, between now and Friday, but my expectation is he's probably going to arbitration. Yep. The Braves are, like you said, the Braves are kind of uh, notable. And I actually think more teams have taken up this same policy, but the Braves are kind of notably a, a file and trial team. I think the only exception they make on that is if it's a long-term extension, you know, they will, you know, if the negotiation is a long-term extension, they'll still talk about that, but they they don't, after the Friday deadline they don't talk about you know a single season arbitration number after that and you know 12.2 is like you said it's a big raise for max but it's probably it's not probably it's definitely substantially less than max should be making of course max just finished second in the Cy Young voting and is a clear number one starter and he's the best pitcher on the team and you know he he should probably be paid like an ace but you know, the way baseball's economics works, you, you have to go through this, you know, six, seven years of team control and you got to kind of go through this whole dance and, and Max is still in the middle of it and doesn't have a long-term extension yet. So he's still in this process. And, um, that's really what I'm going to be looking for. I, I, you know, the arbitration process is pretty cut and dry. There's not a lot of variance, you know, there's not a lot of range of outcomes. It's, it's either going to be around 12.2 or it's going to be a number slightly lower or slightly higher. It just, there's nothing typically ter- terribly exciting about arbitration. It's just kind of finalizing a number, and it's usually around the, the projection. But, you know, is there going to be an extension? That's kind of the, that's the big question around Max, and it's going to be the big question for the next two years. The longer you wait, the more expensive it's going to get because you're getting closer and closer to free agency, which means you're going to be play, paying uh, closer and closer to market value. So, you know, obviously he's just coming off a, a fantastic year where he finished second Cy Young, so it's not going to be cheap by any means, but... If he does that again next year, then it's going to keep going up and keep going up and keep going up. So, you know, if they want to try to get one done, it would be a great time to do it. And I think they absolutely need to because, you know, and, and I'll, I'm going to write about this a little later in the week. But, you know, the Braves rotation, at least looking forward, is not the most, you know, for all the work they've done on position player side of, of locking up talent. You know, they haven't done a, a ton on the rotation and with Strider being the only one that's gotten an extension and and. Ian Anderson being uncertain, Soroka being uncertain, Charlie being 40, Max only having two more years of team control, you know, you can see pretty quickly how it it, it gets a little dicey. And so uh, they absolutely need to work out an extension with Max. And, and so that's kind of the only thing I'm looking for with this arbitration stuff is, you know, can they get an extension done or, or is it, are they just going to go year to year? And uh, obviously they still got time. I mean, Max is a is is not a free agent for two more years, so they can do all this again next off season and and still work out an extension. But like we saw with Freddie and Dansby, if you wait too long and they get to their you know their last year of team control, 
you know, elite players typically don't sign extensions at the, at that point. So the Braves probably have about 12 more months to get something done with Max long-term before they're going to have to fight him or fight for him on the open market. And if that's the case, they're probably not going to win that. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. But obviously there's other guys too that we'll, we'll talk to talk about in a second. You know, AJ Minter being the big one. But yeah, the, the, the focus is Max and it's not even close. Freed's in an interesting spot too because he's he, he turns 29 next week. He'll be 31 when he hits free agency. That's a little late than what you see from a lot of the other guys. So, you know, on one hand, you, you think that, you know, if he gets close to that, that to becoming free agent, obviously he wants to hit the, you know, test the market. I mean, every player does. That's We saw that with Freddie. We saw that with Dansby. But at the same time, you know, he's a little older. So, yeah. you know, you might could see them working out. Uh, might could see them uh, having a path to an extension at some point. But, you know, it hasn't had happened yet. And, I mean, I kind of feel like the same way I did with Swanson, you know, it hasn't happened. It, it, there's probably a reason for it, you yep. know. Uh, but it is something. Like I said, the positions player side is is pretty set. I think six of the eight regulars are all locked up. And uh, but at some point they're gonna have to they're gonna have to address this rotation. Even if you look at it from you know next year's standpoint, you know Charlie's probably Charlie Morton's probably not gonna be on there. They've got some depth there still, and uh, you know we'll talk about some of that here in a minute. But uh, you know, it is, I think Max is the biggest, you know, now that Dansby's in Chicago, you know, all the eyes are pretty much on Max Freed at this point, as far as an extension goes. Yep. And, you know, rightfully so. I mean, that's, you know, if you lose for Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson in back-to-back years, then, you know, everybody's going to be looking to your next kind of big free agent. And that's, there's not even a close second. I mean, that's going to be Max. So, or at least if they don't get an extension done, that's going to be max. So that's where all the eyes are, all the eyes are going to be on. And I have no idea if they'll get a deal done. It's it's so much harder with pitchers. They're just so much more volatile. That's why you don't see these kind of deals. You know, position players almost always get these extensions before pitchers do. So, you know, it's just so much tougher. And like you said, Max is an older guy. You know, he had the Tommy John surgery as a prospect. And that kind of turned him into kind of a late starter and so he's going to be 31 when he gets to free agency so and and Alex talks about this a lot but you know there's a difference when a guy signs his first contract and he's going to get another bite at the apple versus if he's going to sign his one big contract for his career and Max is in the latter group this is going to be his one big con he's not going to get another one after this you know unless he just pitches into his 40s like like you know Scherzer or Verlander and then he could probably get another one but most likely this is going to be his one big contract. And so, and Alex talked about this a little bit recently, but you know, when that's the case, when it's your one big deal, then it's a harder to, it's harder to get to the finish line because guys, they have to get everything they want out of this one contract. There's just more stuff involved. And it's so it's, it's just harder to get a deal done when you know, when everybody knows that this is kind of the one big deal, the guy's going to get for his career. And, you know, when you start as late as Max did, that's kind of how it's going to be. You're only going to get one shot at this. And so I don't blame him for trying to get every dollar he can. Um, That's what he should be doing as, you know, at his age. And hopefully the Braves can get something done. I, I, you know, after watching what happened with Dansby and Freddie, like you said, you know, the fact that there's not a deal done yet, there's a reason for that. I'm sure they've tried. I guarantee you they've offered stuff to Max, but he's, you know, like a, he's not really interested in these ultra team-friendly deals. I mean, he's just like, you know, he's only going to get one shot at this, so he really needs to maximize it and not, you know, no pun intended there. But 
so yeah, that's that's going to be the storyline for not so much this off season, just because he's got two years, but next off season, that's going to be the the you know the number one huge storyline is are they going to get a deal done before Max enters his last year under team control? Yeah, and I mean you still feel like I still feel like that he's still kind of overlooked. You know, I was I was happy to see him finish, finish second in the in the Cy Young, but I don't think you know I don't think a lot of people appreciate just how good Max Fried's been. And and like you said, I mean, you know, he was he was kind of the solid number two behind uh, Mike Soroka till Soroka got injured, and then you know he stepped up in that twenty twenty season and was lights out. I mean, people talk about the season that Marcelo Zuna and Freddie had. Freddie won the MVP. But go look at Max Reed's numbers from that 60-game season. Yeah. I mean, he was ridiculous. You know, and he's, he's just maintained that level all for the next three seasons. And, of course, you know, the heroics in the in, in the World Series uh, in 2021, Game 6. So I, I agree. I mean, it, it'd be hard to look at this, ro- imagine this rotation now without Max Fried. But, you know, that's a, that's a reality we may be, you know, we may be see coming down the track here at, at some point. AJ Minner, uh, he's he's his projection is for five million. Um, I, I don't remember. It's a I think that's a that's a couple million dollar raise over what he had last year, maybe a little more. You know, he's kind of he's not talked about it as much, but he's in the same boat as Freed. You know, he's a free agent in twenty twenty five. You know, he's obviously he's a reliever, but I think you and I I know you've made this case, and uh, you know I agree with you. Arguably, he was the. But one of the best, if he wasn't the best uh, reliever in the National League last year, he was right there in the top three or four and uh, was the best reliever on the Braves team. No matter, you know, I know the saves, saves this or whatever, but A.J. Minner was the best uh, reliever the Braves had last year. You know, critically important. And here, you know, here's another guy here, you know, that's that's got free agency. It, you can see it coming. So, you know, at some point it'd be interesting to see. I don't I don't know if the Braves would really uh, lock it. Well, you say that I say that, but you know uh, Alex has locked up a lot of relievers. Uh, he locked up. Uh, he he signed Will Smith. You know he traded for Razo Iglesias. Um, so you know, would you be shocked if they if we find out in the next day or two there's a, a two or three year deal for AJ Minner? Um, no, I wouldn't be shocked. I I, I would be a little surprised. Just you know, when you're talking about non closers. And AJ Minder's good enough to be a closer, but you know, even in even in the modern version of baseball, like there's still a distinction that's made between closers and non-closers. Even though I don't necessarily agree with that, you know, managers, you know, guys who manage Snit is 100% on board with the fact that there you have a you have a closer, and then you you know you have everybody else, and and so right now you know Minter is definitely in the everyone else category, because I don't think he's gonna you know I think Iglesias is gonna end up closing on this year's team, but. If you just look at his 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 normal numbers, right? His his ERA, FIP, XFIP, all that stuff. AJ Minner was like one of the top three relievers in baseball last year. I mean, he was absurd. If it wasn't for Edwin Diaz, he would have gotten a lot more credit because Edwin Diaz just went bananas last year. But AJ Minner was nasty, and he he was a rock all year. He struck out twelve guys per nine inning and walked less than two guys per nine inning. And I've said it. I don't know how many times now, but you know, this whole walk rate versus minus strike or the strikeout rate minus walk rate is, is definitely one of my favorite stats and he just crushed it. I mean, if you're striking that many guys out and you're not walking anybody, then you're just going to be a monster and that's what he is. And yeah, if, you know, if, if he puts up another season like he did this year and he's got one more year before free agency, I could definitely see them trying to get something done 
there's been a there's been a couple of bigger contracts this offseason for non-closer relievers. I know the Astros signed a couple of those really early in the offseason. And you know, you can go look those up. Those would be the comps for AJ Minter, you know, 440, you know, something like that. That's kind of what the range they're going in. That's kind of the Will Smith deal from a few years ago and um and AJ Minter is better than Will Smith was. So but it'll be interesting to see. Again, he's 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 in the non-closer category. And that does matter as, as silly as it, as it is. Um, but I would love to see it. He's a monster and he is a crucial part of the bullpen and being left-handed and can get out lefties and righties. He throws incredibly hard. He's got that nasty cutter, strikes everybody out. He doesn't walk. I mean, he's just everything you want. He, he pitched 70 innings last year. I don't, I don't think he spent a day. I think he spent all season on the active roster. I'm not, I don't remember him getting hurt once. So yeah, he's a monster. And if the Braves locked him up tomorrow, then I would, I would, even if it's a lot of money, even if it's kind of a, a silly amount of money, I, I, it's not my money. So I, I would be thrilled because he's that good and he's that important to this team. Yeah, I agree. And um, I mean, I'm looking at this list now and I, I think Freed and I think Minner, I think I, w- I won't be surprised if they end up going to arbitration. Actual, uh, no, you know, they'll exchange offers and a deal won't get done. The last three names on this list, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if deals get done and they avoid arbitration um ironically these last three guys are all people that were acquired this off season joe jimenez is projected for 2.6 million uh uh, braves got him from detroit early in the off season i think lucas licky uh from the yankees his his numbers 1.7 million and then Dennis Santana, who was uh, acquired from the Rangers really early in the offseason, uh, his numbers one point one million. None of these guys guys have uh, big numbers. Would not be shocked to see them get something done early. I guess of the three, Jimenez might be the one. He's a free agent uh, next season, uh, next offseason. So it'll be interesting to see there. But uh, uh, you know, would you what do you what do you think about these three guys here? Do you think? Uh, you think they settle early or do you think uh, there's a possibility they all go to arbitration? Yeah. I mean, it's such, it's such a small amount of money that these guys usually just settle. They don't, you know, if you're only set to make $1.4 million, then you typically don't waste your time with an arbitration case over that. You know, if the team offers 1.2, you know, most guys are just like, all right, whatever, I'll take it. So I, I expect the only caveat would be, you know, obviously Jimenez is a, is a free agent after this year. So, you know, if they wanted to try to maybe sign Jimenez to a two-year deal or, you know, give him a little raise versus what he was supposed to make this year in exchange for a second year of team control, that wouldn't surprise me. Like, if they if they went to him and said, hey, we'll give you a two-year, $10 million contract and you get a raise this year and, and we get an extra year out of you, then, you know, that probably makes some sense. But other than that, yeah, I, I expect those three guys to be pretty pretty non-newsworthy. Uh, I said earlier that this list has changed a lot, and it, and it has. And I don't remember; it's been a off season or two since it's it changed this way. But if you uh, early in the off season, uh, Guillermo Heredia, Silvino Bracho were both uh, uh, arbitration eligible, but they were DFA'd and then non tendered. Tyler Matzik agreed to a two year, three point one million dollar deal. He's of course going to miss all of the twenty three uh, season with uh, uh, Tommy John surgery. Sean Murphy agreed the Braves acquired from Oakland. He uh he got a six year seventy three million dollar extension, so he avoided our, they locked him up and don't have to worry about his arbitration years. And Mike Soroka agreed to a one year two point eight million dollar deal. 
Soroka's interesting to me. Uh, I do want to mention him a little bit just because I feel like this is going to be a, a critically important season for uh, for him. He got back on the mound last year for the first time since 2020. Struggled a little bit at Gwinnett, but that's not that's to be expected, you know, after that long of a layoff. Uh, but he'll be an arbitration eligible next offseason for the last time. Will be a free agent in 2025. You know, he's just 25 years old still, but you know, if he comes out and he struggles this year, like I, I never thought that the Braves were gonna, really going to non-tender him at any point over the last two seasons. But, you know, if he if he struggles this season, then I could see it being on the table in 2024. That's why I say it's a, you know, it's a, a big season for him to kind of reestablish himself. And, 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 you know, you just mentioned about this rotation and uh, how different it could look in a couple of years. You know, Mike Soroka, this is kind of the point where he needs – he needs to show uh, that he can be a uh, still be a part of that going forward. Yep, this is this is kind of the year for Mike because you know, and and some fans might not know it or not really understand how it works, but you know when you get hurt as a major leaguer and you go on the major league injured list, you you still accrue service time. So even though Mike hasn't pitched, uh, you know he only pitched 13 innings in 2020, and his last full season was 2019. So even though he hasn't pitched in basically three years. You know, he accrued service time that whole time he was on the injured list. And so he's, like you said, he's only got two years left of, of team control. He's in the same class as, as Max uh, Max Friedis. So, yeah, and if he gets hurt again, if he if he can't contribute to the rotation, you know, the Braves have continued to pay him the last few years to rehab and, and to try to get back. And they've been doing that because his upside is so high. You know, if he was a, if he was a less talented guy, then... Honestly, you know, the, the kind of the, the cruel part of baseball is he would probably have been non-tendered or cut. And um, But, you know, when you got a guy as good as him, if you got, if all you got to do is pay $2 million a year to keep him on the roster, then it's usually worth doing. Uh, but now that he's healthy, you know, he's got to take up a 40-man spot. You know, he's going to start making more money because he's, you know, he's actually healthy and playing. And so he's really going to have to show something this year. I mean, it really is. It's probably not terribly fair just because he hasn't pitched in so long, but he, he needs to show something. He, he needs to show an ability to get through the season healthy, to be able to pitch at a, a decently high level. I think he will. I mean, you know, the guy's got a career ERA in the twos. I mean, he's he when he's out there, when he's been out there, when he's been healthy, he's been really, really good. So... Um, it's just keeping him healthy. That's going to be the big thing. And if he has another big setback or another big injury, then, you know, that could be all she wrote, at least in Atlanta. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a massive year for Max and everybody is pulling from him for him. I mean, he's every person that talks about him says he's the greatest kid in the world that he, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's a hard worker. He loves baseball. He's, you know, this whole thing has been completely devastating for him, you know, back to back Achilles injuries and, um, and that would be devastating for anybody. I mean, that's just brutal. That's absolutely brutal luck. So we're rooting for Mike. Of course, it would help the Braves tremendously if Mike came back. I mean, God, can you imagine a rotation with Freed and Strider and Morton and Wright and a healthy Soroka? I mean, that would that would be ridiculous. That'd probably be the best rotation in baseball, or you know, one of at least one through five. I mean, that kind of depth would be absurd. So that'd be fantastic. That would be amazing to see. I'd love to see it for Mike. Just after all he's been through, but. There's no doubt this is a massive year for him. He's got to show something, some reason for the Braves to keep kind of paying him. Um, because if it's not, then I do think there's a decent chance he gets non-tendered next offseason. If they, if the Braves don't think they can rely on him, they're only going to think that if he, if he's, if he's able to contribute something this year. So, massive year for for Soroka. 
Yeah, and I think if you're looking for a reason to be optimistic, you know, what, all the reports uh, suggested that you know this was he was going to go into the off season and have a normal off season, and he had, that's something he hasn't seen uh, since before the 2020 season. Uh, so you know that's a good thing. Uh, hopefully he comes to spring ready, and I think we're going to see a lot of them. Uh, you know, early uh, him and Ian Anderson and a lot of other guys. But you know, just a. Like I said, you, you kind of forget how good he was and how long ago that was, uh, really. And, you know, the Braves had kept him around. Obviously, uh, one Achilles tear is uh, just un, unfathomable for a baseball player. And then to tear it twice uh, is, is something else. So, you know, I wasn't surprised that he was a little rusty last year. And, uh, you know, I think he... Uh, what he have he had a little bit of elbow soreness at the end but you know i mean when you've had a two-year layoff you know i think that's to be that's to be expected so you know I, i'm excited for spring to get here to see him and uh to see what he looks like and to see him get a a good workload you know i don't think it's out of the question that he doesn't begin the season at triple a just because you know somebody's going to uh between him and ian anderson and then you know bryce elder it's going to be a quite a battle for that fifth spot but uh, you know that's going to be one of the one of the main things that I'm watching this off season, just to see how Mike Soroka looks, and uh, you know if he's anywhere close to what he was, 2018, 2019. You know, like you said, this could be one of the best rotations in in the game, not just in the division, not just in the National League, but in the you know the entire majors. So uh, it'll be something to watch for for sure. Well, I think, you know, that's kind of a little bit of a shorter episode, but we went long last week. But uh, is there anything else you want to talk about tonight? Nope, I don't think so. Yeah, it's kind of a short episode this week. There's just, you know, it's kind of the, the dog days of the off season, like you said. Getting really excited for spring training, though. I'm already, like, looking at position battles and bullpen battles and bench and all that stuff, you know. Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka, kind of that whole thing. Shortstop, left field. We're not even to the middle of January yet, and I'm already kind of itching for that stuff. So I can't wait. It's going to be another fun season. But, um, yeah, we appreciate everybody listening. Um, we're going to have Hall of Fame stuff rolling out this week on the site. We're going to do some more stuff on the rotation. Um, you know, we, we still got content coming. Obviously, Brad and Scott will do the main show. Sean's got the Daily Hammer coming, you know, two or three times a week. So plenty of content. We're not stopping just because it's a slower part of the off season. You know, you guys know by now we bring content. Uh, 12 months out of the year, so it won't stop now. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening, and check out the site, and we'll talk to you later. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.